All right, welcome to another episode of The Only Playbook, guys. Episode 24, Week 12 Recap. Another week is in the books. Some highs, some lows, and some in-betweens. I probably sound nasally because I am sick again. Can't stay off of the injury report myself. So who am I to knock on my own players when they get hurt, right? It's Sweet Car. I got to show, show it virtually today so you guys don't get sick. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. Thing. I'm good. Yeah, I'm not sick. Uh, I feel great so far, but hopefully in three, I'll find out in three days if I got anything from you <laughs> yeah. since we watched football together. Yeah, God, I hope you didn't because three, four days away is New York. So we do not want to be sick for that. Um, yeah, again, a, a lot a lot of big things happened this week. Really kind of tides turning for certain teams. We're heading into pivotal time. Uh, are they you know, contenders or pretenders? Are playoffs still in uh, site or is it pretty much looking forward to the draft? That's kind of the topic of discussion as week 12 wraps up again, we're the only playbook. Uh, if you like our content, if you enjoy what we talk about, give us a shout on social media. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter at the only playbook on Twitter is only playbook. And then we're on all the podcast apps, right? So Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, anchor FM. So no matter where you want to listen to our podcast, you certainly will be able to. So appreciate the love guys. Let's jump into it, Shoshot. Another week, another slew of injuries. I don't want you to start off with CMC, even though I know you probably are going to, but give us the rundown. Yeah, he's number one on the list. Um, he's on the IR. So that's I don't know what else to say. It's done for season. Why did you even – it upsets me because it's the same thing that happened last year, right? Like he comes in and then the same hamstring. So this is a serious concern next year. I don't even know if he's going to go in the top eight if this is the result of every season. So, yeah, I mean, there's nothing more to be said. Chubba Hubbard's next up again. Get those 12 to 14 points, whatever. Next person. Dalvin Cook is the next person. Um, he's day-to-day per Zimmer. But Zimmer tends to just downplay his injuries, his players' injuries all the time. He tore his labrum, and he dislocated his shoulder. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't seem like a day-to-day. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happened to me on a day-to-day, so I don't know about anybody else. Yeah, no. Um, when there's a fully healthy uh, – Madison right there who does the same thing. I don't see why they would just throw Dalvin Cook in there assuming he does something different. Madison doesn't. Who and does the, the same thing and looks like uh Dalvin Cook as well at times. Honestly, honestly, he's been he's had some better runs than Dalvin Cook, in my opinion, but who knows? Who knows? That's just, and we also have the third fastest running back in Madden still. And so he needs true. to be unleashed. True, true. He will be. He will be. You'll see a lot more of him. Um, Zeke, uh, his knee. And uh, C.D. Lamb with a concussion. They were full participants today. So that doesn't seem to be a problem. I think Zeke is just fighting for a starting job at this point. He's doing whatever he can to make sure he doesn't lose that job. So I think he is injured and he is playing through an injury. But he's like, no, I got this. I'll just power through it. But um, I expect a lot more touches for Pollard in that game, whether Zeke starts or not. Um, Alvin Kamara actually practiced for the first time in like three weeks. He was a limited uh, participant today. Uh, Mark Ingram was a full practice, and Taysom Hill was a full practice, and Taysom Hill's getting the start uh, at quarterback. So we'll see a lot of running for the next couple of weeks. I don't know who's going to be running, but um, there's going to be a lot of it. Um, and then per the head coach of the Raiders, Rich Bachi, Bachi, Shaya, or whatever, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Darren Waller is week to week with a knee injury. He had that IT band stretching. Um, you know, we'll talk about – Shovis going to give you some – players you could probably replace him for for that couple of weeks but he is week to week 
uh, not day to day. So he probably will miss this week, but we don't know. It's, it's freaking Monday. The week's not even over yet. So <laughs> just so we'll, getting started. Yeah. Just getting started. We'll see how it goes. Um, hopefully we're coherent this weekend in uh, order to set our lineups. <laughs> oh God. Um, or that could be just like the big long con somebody could be playing. I don't know. I'm yeah. not going to say who. But I'm just going to get you all messed up and then make you guys start the dumbest people <laughs> tank and then I get in the playoffs. Strat. There you go. There you go. Whatever works. You've seen plenty of episodes of uh, the league. There's got to <laughs> exactly. be some tricks in there. Um, so, yeah, uh, Swift. Um, Swift. It's hard to say. It's hard to say that he'll play. Were the quotations used by Dan Campbell? Uh, but I just got an update maybe like 45 minutes ago that he's likely out this week. Um, so Jamal Williams should be on your roster. I, for one, had him for like nine weeks, and I released him two weeks ago. So that worked out pretty well. Um, Logan Thomas. I did the opposite of Logan Thomas. He's done absolutely nothing for me. I've never started him, but I held on to him for three weeks after the injury. Um, so, yeah, he should be ready to go for tonight's game against Seattle. We'll see what uh, how he's doing after that injury. Um, Jalen Hurts has a sore ankle. Apparently, he sprained the ankle, got it taped up sometime during the game, which the camera did not catch. Um, and the Eagles have to play the Jets, and then they have a bye week, so it really gives them a question. So should they just rest him for 14 days and then see if he'll play? But then they get then again, the Jets aren't guaranteed anymore. Uh, they're not a guaranteed uh, L. So uh, I don't know. They might have to kind of like make him a pocket passer, and I don't know how he's going to do by doing that. So we'll Their backup is that. uh. Their backup's Gardner Minshew. Yeah, yeah, Minshew he season. Yeah, yeah, he could very well start and run the same plays Jalen Hurts does. Just won't be yeah. as fast. So. Yeah. Um, Debo Samuel, uh, he got an MRI like a couple of hours ago on his groin. The results aren't out yet. Uh, apparently, it's not very major, but he is likely to miss time. So he's probably not going to play his upcoming game. So uh, good news for people fighting for that playoff spot. Um, Justin Fields uh, and Allen Robinson, they were out on the practice field, but they did not practice with their teammates. They were out practicing separately, but looks like they're able to move around and whatnot. So Allen Robinson should be incoming. If, you, if you're if you high on the playoff uh, spot and you have some players you can throw around, Allen Robinson is likely in free agency right now. So there's nothing wrong with picking him up if you, if you got players like, you know, some randos uh, just chilling in your bench. It's time to get rid of those randos and get ready for the playoffs. Um, Cooper, Amari Cooper, he's doing well apparently, but he's still not at practice. So I'm assuming he's still positive. He must have had a pretty bad case of COVID because um, this is a long been, time. Yeah, yeah, it's been two weeks. It's or it's going to be two weeks. Uh, so yeah, um, he's probably just really sick. Hopefully, he makes a quick recovery. Um, Cliff Kingsbury said he's hopeful Murray and Hopkins play Sunday. I don't know why they're still debating. Uh, I'm sure they'll play, but um, there's still a chance they don't play, which is crazy because it's been so long. Or it feels they're like just coming off hard. a bye, right? Yeah, they're just coming off a bye. So you you would think they just got fully healthy, yeah. but Hopkins Hopkins hamstring seems like a real problem. That is like an, that's a serious problem he's got going on. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going with Hopkins. I would stay away from that for the time being. But Murray is an immediate start as soon as he steps foot on the field. Um, so yeah, let's see if he comes back. Uh, Kareem Hunt is the last player I'm going to talk about. Um, his, apparently his usage was intentional. Uh, they came out and said, cause his dad started complaining, all these dads complaining about Baker Mayfield. <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently he only got 23 total snaps. Uh, that's not even, that's not even touches. That's just snaps, which is very little. That's like probably 30% of the game. Um, so, um, yeah, they were, they were frustrated. All the owners, fantasy owners, parents, everybody frustrated, but 
that was just that was game plan. That's that was intentional. So he should be unleashed next week. This game they just kind of wanted to ease him in. But yeah, that's the updates. You know, it's funny about the Baker Mayfield thing. That reminds me of like Baker Mayfield in high school and college was probably like the guy that your yeah. if your daughter, your dad, the <laughs> daughter of a dad didn't want you to date, right? And now he's grown up. And he's got teammates and he's still got dads on his case about not dating his, not dating his sons, but not playing with the sons. I mean, he's a problem for everybody. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but like he is not helping his teammates at all right now. He needs to just sit down and rest. Yeah, bro. Like put your ego aside and do what's right for the team. If you really do care about winning. And right now you're not helping them. So we'll obviously jump into that game. Let's kick off the recaps here. Show it. Um, I hate to be the guy, but the first game on the board is the Steelers. They traveled to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals here. And the Bengals absolutely stomped them. 41 to 10 final. No defense for the Steelers. Cincinnati covers the three and a half point spread. The over 45 hits. Um, Gosh, what happened? I mean, the Steelers did get some of their defensive players back from last week from injuries, but it didn't seem like it really mattered. Yeah, we got TJ Watt back. We got Fitzpatrick back. And we, you know, that was sort of the reason why in week two we lost against the Bengals was we didn't have those guys. And uh, coming out of the game, the Bengals had a plan, and the plan was to give it to Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon, you know, with 28 carries, 165 yards, two touchdowns, the Steelers had no answer whatsoever. Um, there's a, a linebacker that the Steelers have who I absolutely just can't stand. His name is Devin Bush. Um, this, <laughs> this, this guy is just, he just can't, he couldn't stop Eckler last week. He's, he, he's terrible against the run. Um, he just needs to go. We just, at this point, it's looking like the personnel just isn't there for the Steelers. And, uh, the key to winning, um, was going to be Ben Roethlisberger and the offense kind of keeping up with the Bengals. And, and he wasn't able to do that either. Uh, they, they played Ben Roethlisberger came into the game with five games with no interceptions comes out and throws two interceptions um, and just not a solid game by the offense guys like Najee Harris didn't get there um, what we're used to in the production we're used to seeing from Najee Harris eight carries 23 yards um, the only two bright uh, things from the Steelers is Deontay Johnson uh, obviously nine receptions 95 yards you know he's getting his and then Pat Fear Firemuth, given uh, Ebron out, got a touchdown. It was garbage time, um, but it's good to be see him um, make these kind of catches that uh, makes him a valuable start uh, moving forward. Uh, but I, I just think it's it's rebuilding time, man. I don't I don't I don't see any bright star like anything to kind of move forward and say, okay, maybe we can make the playoffs. It just it's just there's no hope at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Couple things. I want to add a couple things. Yeah, Joe Mixon actually has 12 touchdowns in his last eight games. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for Jonathan Taylor, this would be probably the headline of fantasy football. He would be probably the top running back um, over those over that span. Um, and then the opposite, Najee Harris. Um, he was probably the biggest non-injury bust of the week. Um, you know, all these other players that we lost a lot of good players this week, um, and you know they didn't produce rightly so, but. And Najee Harris really had no, you know, explanation for not producing because they do use him in the passing down too. about 19 touches is what he had one time. Um, so, you know, it was kind of unexpected. The Steelers was just not able to fire on any cylinders. Um, and, you know, uh, and like you said, one bright spot, Friar Muth, that was his first touchdown, not in the, not inside the 10 yard line or not inside the five yard line or something of that matter. Uh, this was over 15 yards. So it's nice to see them actually like 
because these plays usually go to Claypool, and then when it's unsuccessful, they go back, they go to Fryermuth. But this was one of the first times that they actually used long distance plays for Fryermuth. So, yeah, Shabbat, as a Steelers fan, <clears throat> when you when you talk about uh, personnel, obviously there's cornerstones on this team, right? On the offensive side, you have guys you can rebuild around. Yeah, Najee Harris is a cornerstone. Deontay Johnson's probably not going anywhere. You mentioned Firemuth. Claypool, we still like what we see. We know Big Ben's at the tail end of his days, right? And then on the defensive side, you obviously still have guys like TJ Watt and, um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden. You can still build around, but do you, is Steelers Nation rumbling in any sense for like a coaching change or anything like that? Or do you guys, are you guys still fully on board with Tomlin? I'm just trying to get a gauge of like what, where your guys' heads are at. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of fire Tomlin uh notions and and you know they brought in the offensive coordinator matt canada and you know when when the game's good then twitter's steelers twitter's just excited that okay we got things going and things are great and then they're bad it's fire canada fire tomlin i'm not going to go down that route i think like the steelers have like this whole foundation issue which um with their offensive line um so i think that because you mentioned a lot of great players you know those are players that can make big plays and and that's kind of what the steelers have been doing to win games is they make plays then they get turnovers to allow the Steelers to win. Um, but when you don't have a good solid offensive line to be able to, or a good defensive line to, uh, well, they do have a defensive line, but just being able to stop the run, which they haven't been able to do and giving big Ben protection, Najee Harris, the running lanes, you're just not going to win games that way. So I, I'm not going to say that they need to make a coaching change. I think it's more of like setting the foundation for next year at this point. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just kind of wanted to gauge where Steelers nations was at with that, but uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, Pittsburgh has to play the Ravens next week. So another divisional matchup, Um, it's still only a couple games out of the, out of the top spot. Right. So definitely not out of it, but it's tough the way they're trending and the Bengals take on the chargers next week. So a battle of a couple of good offenses there Uh, moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, One one last thing. One last thing. Um, TJ Watt was put into the COVID list this morning. So uh, that's something to that's something definitely important to look out for. Okay, yeah, something to note there. Uh, I know they had Big Ben on COVID list, and he was he was gone for a while. So uh, we'll see. The Buccaneers took on the Colts this week. Buccaneers um, coming in as three point favorites in a tough environment to take on Indianapolis. The Colts have strung along like three or four great victories recently, so they were kind of hot. But uh, back and forth game, Tampa Bay comes away victorious. I mean, Tom Brady literally only needed one weapon this game to lead the team to success, winning 38-31, covering a three-point spread, over 53 hit. And the story of this game was none other than Mr. Lenny Fournette himself. Leonard Fournette with three touchdowns, right? That I mean, four, 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 four three rushing, one receiving touchdown. Um, solid, solid game by the Buccaneers. Um, it, there were point times where Colts looked like they could win this game, but then they had the turnovers, the fumble, the uh, interception by Carson Wentz with where Anton Winfield. Uh, junior goes in and grabs it from uh looked kind of like he kind of pushed a little bit but was able to sort of look like moss trying to get that interception so uh just buccaneers just fighting it out and uh making all the right plays to, to win the game yeah um the bucks did a great job uh, they needed that one bad they were if they had lost this one too then it's like question marks everywhere for tom brady but um yeah he solidified that role again a couple of things of note uh, the Colts had allowed the fewest fantasy points to running backs before that uh, rampage. And um, what's funny is the Bucks did to the Colts what the Colts just did to the Bills. 
So the five touchdowns, uh, the five total touchdowns from the Buccaneers was all the Colts had allowed all season, five touchdowns. So that's the same thing that happened last week to the Colts where they only had allowed, or sorry, the uh, Bills, where the Bills had only allowed five rushing touchdowns all season. And then the Colts added five. So if this trajectory continues, whoever plays the Buccaneers next is going to score five touchdowns. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, yeah, they did. It, it was just, you know, the Bucks probably watched the game script of the Colts and they were like, we're going to do that exact same thing and just beat them. Um, and then the last thing I got to talk about is Michael Pittman had too many drops this game. He had two major drops. That was one of them was a first down. So uh, they couldn't really crawl out of a hole. And you're letting a five foot ten dude moss you, bro. Come on. Like, I, I don't even think that was a pass interference, to be honest, because it was so bang bang. And the way Pittman kind of just did that job poorly made it kind of look like a pass interference. But what are you going to do? You know, that, that you can't really blame the cornerback in that yeah. situation for safety. I was looking at that drive. You know, on that drive, they didn't run the ball once. They had seven passes, and uh, and then the last one obviously was an interception. But I feel like if you're up, and they were up 21-24 uh, in the end of the third quarter, if you're up against the Buccaneers and the run running game has been well for you, you should have continued running the ball with Jonathan Taylor. Because if you look at that drive where they, they tied the game 31-31, there's about 10 plays. Eight of them are running and then two of them are passing. And the passes are like, you know, 10 yard dump offs uh, uh, that I, th- I think Doyle and maybe T.Y. Hilton caught. So they kind of went away from that. And I think they shot themselves in the foot by not continuing to feed Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I mean, the Buccaneers obviously probably came in with the game plan to stop him. That's why he didn't have the big runs early on. And I think that kind of kind of switched the game script a little bit for Carson Wentz to have to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, but you're right. I mean, at no point were they out of the game to where they didn't have to give Jonathan Taylor the ball. And it's interesting to see him only get 16 touches when, you know, he's a workhorse at this point. And there's really no excuse for him not touching the ball 20 plus times. So um Yeah. I mean, again, he still had a great game. He still had the touchdowns, uh, went over 80 yards. Uh, we talked about the other side, you know, Fournette, obviously the big game, but Gronkowski looked good seven for 123 on 10 targets led the team. Uh, Godwin only four for 24 and Evans only three for 16. So the receivers really didn't do anything there. It was tight ends and running backs, you know, kind of Tom Brady's MO from the Patriot days. So, uh, well, hopefully with Antonio Brown coming back next week, the receiving core can get going again. Uh, they are going to have to take on the Falcons. So an easy bounce back victory there for them, or, or, or I guess a another win for them on the board possibly and the Colts take on the Texans. So they have an opportunity to bounce back next week, but the Panthers were the next game on the board. They traveled to Miami to take on the dolphins. Panthers came in with Cam Newton riding high. Uh, CMC was back and, you know, things could possibly go right for them with this defense, finally figuring things out, but absolutely not. It was one of the worst performances I'd ever seen by a quarterback. I think in recent years, 33 to 10, the dolphins absolutely destroy the Panthers. Dolphins came in at two and a half point dogs, win the game outright. The over 42 hits. Um, I mean, Cam Newton was so, so, so bad. I mean, this is one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, that, I don't even know what to say about the Panther side of the field. Uh, I feel like their defense still played pretty well. Um, I just, I guess they couldn't get Tua to make the mistakes that he typically does. Tua played pretty well against like the number two defense. Um, and then Waddle is a PPR monster. He's a, he was actually wide receiver one this week in PPR. Um, so yeah, the Dolphins getting, getting it down. They just played, they just won three straight games and, um, the most recent game being against the number two defense. So I, I mean, they're, they're up there against, you know, being a spoiler for the rest of the season. 
but as far as the Panthers go, I, I don't know what to talk. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know who's going to start this upcoming week. They're, Darnold's looking like he's back at practice doing some work. Uh, you know, they just I, this is. I don't know what to say. I I don't know what to say about the Panthers. Yeah, dude, dude Cam Newton. You know, you you get your chance to come back to a team you got cut by the Patriots. Uh, you 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 know you play with a QB rating of 5.1, that's just not going to get the job done. Two interceptions, uh, only 92 yards. So really just poor performance by Cam Newton and the running running game didn't help either. On the Dolphins side though, man, Tua uh, efficient, right? 27 for 31, uh, looking really, really just doing what needs to be done to win the games. And then the Miami Dolphins just loved running that wildcat, man, giving it to Miles Gaskin with two touchdowns. I mean, he didn't, he only had 49 yards, average 3.1 per attempt, but uh, it's good to see Miles Gaskin getting those goal line carries and uh, getting sort of the, I guess, the trust from the offense coordinator to feed him the ball to get a, get the touchdown. Yeah. Interesting note. They signed Phil Lindsay after being cut by the Texans and he steps in and gets 12 carries himself. So um, I guess maybe they liked what they saw from Philip Lindsay to pick him up right immediately after getting cut. So uh, something to note, but you're right. There is a lot of wildcatting for them in the red zone where they prefer that the running back or somebody else takes the snaps over to a, and Gaskin seems to be the guy that's been the benefactor. So uh, two touchdowns. You got to like that. You mentioned Waddle. He's a beast. Another kind of disappointing week for Gusecki from a tight end perspective. I know tight ends are thin and they're so hit or miss, but this guy solidified himself, at least I thought uh, as far as consistency went, but he had that goose egg a couple weeks back and now only three catches for 17 yards. So uh, two is efficient, but he does like spreading the ball around. Right. So I don't know what that bodes for fantasy, but at least Waddle seems like the one guy that you can consistently rely on there. The Panthers head into a bye at five and seven. Like you mentioned, a lot of question marks there. They have no identity. They they had this blip radar moment where Cam came back and they're like, oh my God, they're resurging their identities back to what it once was. Now CMT's out for the season. You don't know if Cam's even worth starting anymore. I mean, after I mean, maybe he is, but you mentioned Darnold. So there's a lot of decisions to be made. And it seems like at this point, it's really, really difficult to see a world in which the Panthers can bounce back from all of this adversity and like sneak into the playoffs. So uh, it's tough for them. The Dolphins get the Giants next week. So the Dolphins, who have kind of impressively had three good performances in a row, get another opportunity to win another game. So a uh, good matchup for them next week. The Titans traveled to New England to take on the Patriots with a decimated, decimated team. Patriots came in at seven-point favorites. Over-under was 43.5, and, and the Patriots covered easily. 36-13, to 13, dominant performance at home. Over 43 covers. Um, I mean, it kind of exactly happened what we expected to happen i guess right the titans that they were just like on paper so so decimated with injuries there was nobody there that you even thought was like oh this guy could be the difference factor in, in leading us up surprising upset victory i mean there was nobody there was nobody on paper that had that opportunity to do it and i mean i think that was exactly evident in the way the game played what'd you guys think yeah two guys to kind of mention on the titans side though is uh dontrell hillard hilliard uh, and Deontay Foreman, right? Deontay Foreman, we kind of knew uh, that he would probably have, uh, you know, a pretty, he had an upside of being RB1. Um, he had more, he had more carries than John Terrell. Uh, Hilliard did 19 carries. Hilliard had two, 12. Uh, both rushed for over 100 yards. Hilliard comes out with a touchdown. Um, kind of sucks though, because I was, I wanted Foreman to be the, the only guy kind of like how, um, uh, what's his name? I forget the running back, the king. Um, Derek Derek Henry. Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Henry, before he got injured, uh, I kind of wanted him to be that guy. Um, but Dontre Hilliard coming in and uh, sort of just 
making it a you know a running back committee role. Um, but yeah. the Patriots, man, they just look good. But go ahead, uh, Sass. Oh no! Uh, so I was kind of watching the game script. Um, so Foreman, I I still believe is the guy. Uh, Hilliard is a passing down guy. He's actually he's been back to back top twelve in PPR for back to back days or back to back games. Um, that's a huge deal. Like he's getting a lot of targets, and um, I think that's his role. Though I mean, at the later parts of the game, he had a majority of his carries at the end. So kind of basically just seeing what he can do on the ground versus his catching at the end. But I think. Uh, you don't want to get too cute here. Like if you're playing in a non-PPR league, which there's not many, but you would probably not play Hilliard uh, because his role is just solidified as a catching guy for, for the most part. Um, so if something were to happen to Foreman or if Foreman were to go down, this guy would be huge. But until then, um, if you had to play one of them, I, I would probably still go Foreman um, because um, Foreman would have had, he had 19 carries in a losing game script. Uh, if they're up, it looks like they trust him to handle the ball. So um I, I still haven't given up on the whole Foreman experiment. I feel like uh, with the easy schedule coming up, it, it could be a sneaky play as a flex yeah. play in, in the playoffs. And the thing is, like, their receiving core doesn't really they, – they their game script is to run the ball more. And with A.J. Brown kind of banged up, Julio Jones, and, you know, Westbrook Akin is the only guy that's um, there to catch the ball. So, yeah, I can see them run the ball more. And, so and, and uh, yeah, your logic makes sense to go with Deontay Foreman. Um, but going on the Patriots side, dude, that team – just looks just efficient, solid, solid right? And here's here's a, a fun fact. Um, in that six-game winning streak, streak that they've had, Mac Jones has only been pressured 22.9% of his snaps, his dropbacks. So that's that's an efficient offensive lineman. We talk about foundation that the Steelers don't have. This team has that foundation. And for a rookie quarterback, if you want your rookie quarterback to not make mistakes, you know, make sure that he's not getting – uh, rushed uh, to make those throws and so that he can be in a rhythm. So, you know, I've, I've, it seems like all teams need to follow this strategy. Like, have a solid offensive line and you you might just be okay. Easier, easier said than done, man. That's why, the, uh, that's why the offensive linemen go, like, number one, number two, number three, whenever there's good ones overall in, like, just NFL drafts. They're just so hard to find, and just, it's hard to find five of them. But um, yeah, that's the ultimate goal. Everything like these are NFL players, right? Like they're they've been good their whole life. They got here for a reason. Um, so yeah, with with a good offensive line, they could unleash what they're so good at. But not every team gets that opportunity. Um, I did want to point out Stevenson though. He's he's establishing a significant role on that offense, uh, which hurts Harris. You know, they could be a tandem, and they are a tandem. But um, Harris would be doing much much better if it wasn't for Stevenson, and Stevenson would be doing much much better if it wasn't for Harris. They're kind of like vulturing each other at this point, and that's just something to watch. Yeah, uh, I mean, exactly all of the above. I mean, like you guys said, it's tough for the Titans, who are a run-heavy offense with the running back that they can afford to do that with, not have that running back anymore and still attempt to do that, right? I mean, they were down a lot of this game, and they have ran the ball 39 times. They only threw it 21 times, right? So they firmly believe that continuing to run the ball was going to lead to success. But even though the guys had good rushing games, I just think they were behind the eight ball too early. Mac Jones converting too many third downs because of his accuracy, right? Extending drives. So the Titans ran the ball well, but they ran the ball well in a game where they probably, you know, needed to throw the ball downfield and the inabilities with the lack of playmaking on the outside. I mean, there was really, it was really, really tough for them. So they get, they head into a bye. So hopefully we can get some injury updates and some health their way. And then, and, and hopefully they can, 
bounce back and get back to the Titans that strung along six impressive victories. But the New England, New England has a great game next week. They're at Mon- they're Monday night at Buffalo. So uh, a big, big showdown for them in the division. Um, that'll be a fun, fun game to watch. The next game on the board was another divisional game here. The Eagles travel to New York to take on the Giants. Shashot, your survivor picks. You took the Eagles this game after the impressive wins that they had strung along and how much their running offense looked impressive the last couple of weeks. But a very ugly game. The Giants win this one 13-7 final. Giants cover the three-and-a-half-point dog spread and win the game outright. Over-under was 45-and-a-half. Didn't even get anywhere close. Um, God, what went wrong here for Philly? Everything. Everything went wrong for Philly. It was just a terrible game. Hurts threw three picks. He couldn't get any running lanes established. That seems to be his bread and butter. Uh, The reason the defense kind of slacks off on covering him is because of his running abilities, and he wasn't able to do very much of that this game. So uh, just left a lot of room for coverage, and they covered well. And he threw some some bad picks, tried to make uh, some plays that weren't there. And when he tried to make plays that were there, uh, Jalen Rieger decided he doesn't want to play football anymore. That dude needs to get uh, caught. Yeah, it's just there's no excuse for that. That's a game-winning touchdown. That game's over, right? And um, he dropped it just fair and square twice in one drive. Um, so, yeah, uh, one good thing for Philadelphia is they don't have to make any trips on an airplane for the rest of the season. They're all local drives. So wow. I don't know how you want, I don't know how you want to interpret that, but that's a lot of sleep. That's a lot of regularity. That's a lot of consistency. And uh, you know, personally, like that affects me when I have to like travel here, go there for interview, go do that, go do that. It kind of you kind of just don't get in this rhythm. Uh, well, now, uh, you know, this is like now we're kind of scraping different areas. of, But like like I mentioned all the time, every variable is important in football and uh, they get the comfort of just being at home. Basically, even on their road games, they're going to be coming back home. So uh, Eagles have a very, very comfortable rest of the season and they get to do it all on the road or with a with a bus rather than having to fly to different parts of the country. Yeah, the man, that Rieger, uh, the first one, the first drop that he had, I feel like there was a little bit of pass interference where he went up to get the ball, got pushed a little bit. So it kind of like changed where the ball was going to be, where he thought the ball was going to get uh, come to. And, and he wasn't able to catch the ball, hit him straight in his helmet. So I think that was kind of explainable or excusable. But the second one where you're right in the end zone, you just have to catch it. You get up there to catch the ball. You're not even tackled uh, before you catch the ball. No pass interference. You need to make that grab, um, especially with, you know, Devontae Smith being who he is and and being the looking like the number one uh, receiver as a rookie. You have something to prove to, to your team and you just don't do it. It, it just it, that's a terrible, terrible, um, I guess, show out show out of. Uh, yeah. For eager. Uh, on the other side, the Giants, man, their defense actually is, might not be that bad. They've got a strong, a solid line. And I feel like maybe they were able to um, not allowed the Eagles to run the ball efficiently because of that of that defense. Uh, they just got a new offensive coordinator. So the offense, you know, only scored 13 points. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, you know, Daniel Jones and, and company didn't really do have a have a solid game, um, but their deep, defense was able to force the turnovers against the Eagles um, fumbles and like, what was it? Three interceptions. Um, so that's kind of what allowed them to win. And maybe that's the recipe moving forward. Eagles have a really good, uh, favorable schedule, but uh, I wouldn't rule out the giants either. If they can get their offense uh, to be a little bit more efficient, score some points, they, they could be a threat um, to at least for wild card contention. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, ugly game on both sides, but 
the, you know, Philadelphia is the better team. They lost by six points and they had four turnovers where the giants didn't have any, right? If you're going to lose a turnover battle four Oh, you're typically not going to win the game. And the fact that they still had an opportunity at the end with Jalen Rieger and he dropped the ball. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know the giants. I mean, their offense, as much as you know, they were, they won this game, their offense didn't do anything really. I mean, Saquon Barkley, not much. I mean, the receiving core, not much. The only thing they can take away from that is they protected the football. And sometimes you come away victorious. So uh, they get a winnable game next week at the Miami dolphins who have played well. Eagles have an opportunity to bounce back though. Next week, they travel not very far. Like Shashug mentioned, they're going to take on the jets in New Jersey. So still, staying in that Northeast area um, and, 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 you know, an easier test in the jets. So uh, still have hopes alive for both of these guys. I mean, seven losses right now, we'll, we'll get to it, but the Vikings with six losses are the seven seed. So, right. The NFC is still wide open, regardless of the amount of losses we see in some of these teams records. Uh, the next game on the board was the Atlanta Falcons. They traveled to the Jacksonville Jaguars show it. Your survivor pick was the Atlanta Falcons this week and they prevailed 21 to 14 on the road. They cover the two point spread under 46. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars continue to put out a putrid, putrid product of football on the field. I mean, it's just uglier and uglier to watch every week. Um, and Miami or, and, and the Atlanta Falcons took advantage of that and came away victorious. What'd you guys like? Yeah, man, the Falcons, we know that they are able to score and be, uh, I guess, they've got the personnel to be able to score with guys like Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitts, and the Jaguars just don't have that. They don't have, they don't have a good receiving core. Uh, James Robinson is the, 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 the best player on that team, and he, he, he did have a fumble, and after he fumbled, uh, looks like he was... Um, he didn't get back on the field uh, for most of the um, s- second half of the game, um, partly due to the fact that he's he was injured and he's kind of coming back and maybe they're doing some load management there. Um, but when Urban Meyer was asked about it, he said, well, that's not me. My offensive coordinator goes out and makes a call. So it's not and uh, that's not my responsibility, which kind of shows. What me do you that- do there, Urban Meyer? Like, what, what do you do on that team? I, I hate people that have the mentality of like, I just work here. Like, oh, I just work here. That has nothing. Like, you're the head fucking coach. What do you mean? That like just reminds me of Mike Zimmer. And I think that's what makes me the most mad is like when you have a head coach that does is not in tune with all aspects of the team, like you, you're not a partial head coach, right? You're not assistant to the head coach. Like when you get to be the head coach, that doesn't mean that you can now don all of the responsibilities on the offensive coordinator for the offense and the defensive coordinator for the defense. It's your responsibility to make sure everything comes together. And so that's such a bullshit. Like this isn't college, bro. This is not college that I just work here kind of bullshit tactic mentality. Like it's your team. You got paid millions of dollars to lead this team and this program and this franchise. And, and for you to just be like, ah, you know, that's just the offensive coordinators thing. Like that's some bullshit. So um, again, I still don't think Urban Meyer's the guy there. It's just, it's sad when Laquan Treadwell leads the team in receiving yards. I mean, God, that's, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. He had eight targets. Laquan Treadwell had eight targets for the Jaguars. So, I mean, Oh my God. They had nobody. They have nobody. They just, they refuse again to all these winnable games. They just don't win or they don't want to win or they don't put up enough talent or product on the field to like come away victorious. And um, these are the games the Falcons all year have seemed to take advantage of, right? Their five wins, I feel like, are against five really, really bad teams. Um, but that all of a sudden makes them five and six and back in playoff contention for whatever that's worth. Yeah, they're not worth very much. Uh, they're still a bad team, but um, they do they do beat most of these bad teams. They're like the best of the bad teams. Yeah. Um, they, they hadn't scored a touchdown in their last twenty four drives, and you know, and 
they hadn't done so and so in so long and this and that. This was the first time they scored in 24 drives. So they needed Cordero Patterson back really badly. And this was the first time uh, the Cordero Patterson score in the first quarter was the first touchdown for the Falcons in their last three games. Um, so yeah, he's, he's the heart and soul of that team without it, without them, they're yeah. fucked. Um, and then one last thing, uh, on the other side of the field, uh, Trevor Lawrence is by far the worst quarterback in the league at this moment. Uh, I guess if, if Wilson would have kept playing, um, then maybe he would have surpassed Lawrence in this stat. But right now, Trevor Lawrence has a sub 75, uh, passer rating in seven game this season. That's the most in the NFL. So he's had plenty of opportunities to kind of, you know, take down teams like the Falcons and whatnot and he doesn't so i'm not sure that there's still a lot more work to be done for trevor lawrence yeah a lot of soul searching for that entire team i mean what what i i can't even pinpoint the issue right now it just seems like their entire team is a problem so uh they have a ton of shit that they just need to figure out you mentioned it though man we talked about it the five falcons win games when cordero patterson plays i mean shit he's literally their team right now he's carrying the atlanta falcons their five victories so uh nice to see russell gage at least have some receiver production six for 62 with the touchdown kyle pitts um, hit or miss. Like, I don't know. I don't know what this means. Two for 26. Some games he, you know, has big games. Some games he kind of doesn't show up, especially in an offense that only has one guy. Like you would think he would at least be able to be consistent. So, uh, that's still a little bit in disarray. The Falcons have to play the Buccaneers next week. So not a shitty team that they have a possibility to beat. Um, and the Jaguars travel to take on the Rams. So, uh, Trevor Lawrence, as bad as he looked, I don't expect him to look any better next week. Um, next game on the board, the jets, the jets took on the Texans. They traveled to Houston. Uh, jets came in as two and a half point dogs, won this game outright. 21, 14 final over under was 44 and a half. So the under came in Zach Wilson returning from injury. Um, I think we were all fading the jets just because Zach Wilson hadn't really given us a reason not to. And, uh, the other quarterbacks had produced better in that offense up until this point, but, uh, Zach Wilson came back and the Jets won. So uh, I don't know how much of that was Zach Wilson as he was only 14 of 24 for 145 yards and a pick uh, only ran the ball two carries three times did have a rushing touchdown. But um, I think the story was more so the Jets defense and the, I guess the Titans lack or Texans lack of offense. Oh, for sure. For sure. The, the Texans came in here thinking, uh, yeah, or sorry, the Jets came in here thinking, let's just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. That's what the Texans are slightly weaker at. Uh, and they did that. No matter how bad it turned out, they kept running the ball with multiple different players. They even used Elijah Moore in the running formations. Uh, and um, Austin Walter, Walter was a nice little bright spot that nobody mm -hmm. knew about. Uh, at least yeah. I didn't. Uh, that, all talks before the game was Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson. Uh, that kind of played out as, as expected. Uh, I think we mentioned last week on the podcast, Tevin Coleman would be getting bulk of the carries. Uh, they look at Ty Johnson when it's passing down times, uh, but Ty Johnson didn't get any catches. However, Tevin Coleman held a bulk of the carries. That's starting number, 16 carries. Um, anytime anybody gets 16 carries, you got to throw them in the flex or something. Uh, so that kind of worked out. But outside of that, nothing else was predictable. The Texans were did a, just putrid, as you mentioned earlier, job of just playing football. They couldn't carry the ball. Uh, they averaged, the best running back on the team averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Uh, it, was just, it was just not a good day for the Texans. The Jets well, defense showed up. There's a there's a point I want to make to your to your comment there. 16 carries by Tevin Coleman startable, right? So would you start somebody who's averaging 15 carries? Depends how bad my team is, but yeah, maybe. 
So Rex Burkhead this week had 12 carries for 27 yards, right? Last week, yeah. I remember his stats. He had 18 carries for 40 yards. Average that out. That's 30 carries in two <laughs> weeks. That's 15 carries for that's that's literally 30, 30? carries yeah. for 67 yards. So is that yeah. you you, if you got desperate, would you start Rex Burkhead no. just based on volume? No, because I know there's David Johnson just sitting there to get um, the other carries. But if it's a standalone running back with 12 touches, you know, if there's nobody to vulture, then yeah, I'll start him. But Rex Burkhead, I don't care if he gets 30 carries next game. I'm not starting him. No 30 way. carries for like 46 yards. <laughs> well, it, it would be like 67, but yeah. yeah. Um, th- you know what the Heat Texans need to do is they need to free Brandon Cooks. Okay. Three receptions, 45 yards. He gets a touchdown. The Texans are up, man. The Texans are up 14 to three and a half time uh, against, against the Jets. And the Jets kind of look like what we thought they would look like. Uh, but then they come around and, and credit. You guys have already mentioned this, but credit to the defense. I want to uh, talk about a guy on this defense, uh, Quincy Williams. Yeah. Quincy Williams uh, all together with Quincy Williams and company had five sacks against Tyrod Taylor uh, on, on crucial third downs. Um, you know, just, just solid, solid play, uh, defensive um, effort to be able to win the game. I don't think this yeah. Zach Wilson didn't have a strong game. He's looking like at all the other uh, rookie quarterbacks, not named Mac Jones. Um, so a lot of, you know, understanding the, uh, the play call and, and the, the playbook a little bit better. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, the Jets defense, that's, that's the highlight of this game. That's the big takeaway for me. Yeah. Jets. I mean, Jets will get a chance at the Eagles next week. So, uh, we talked about that being a winnable game for the Eagles. Maybe the Jets come in and think that's a winnable game for the Jets. Who knows? Yeah. If, 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 uh, if Hertz doesn't play, then yeah, it's, a, it's up for grabs. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously the Texans, they take the, they, they play the Colts next week. The Colts are going to look to bounce back after that tough defeat against the Buccaneers. Um, next game on the board, the Chargers took uh, travel to um, the Denver Broncos, excuse me, Mile High Stadium. Coming in, Denver was two and a half point favorites. Over under was 47 and a half. Chargers continue to be fake news. Denver continues to just confuse us. 28-13, Denver wins us at home. Uh, covering the two and a half point spread, the under comes in. Uh, the Chargers offense, again, for all the talks about how great their offense can be, they just continue to have very, very lackluster performances. And the Broncos did a really, really good job of running the football. Yeah, man, the Broncos receivers are starving. Talking about free Brandon Cooks, free the Broncos receivers, man. Like this is I know they like running the ball and stuff. But when you're playing against the Chargers, you kind of expect to come in there knowing how to throw the ball a little bit better. And um, I I don't remember the stats exactly. I don't even know if I look. This is just like straight from what I've watched. But I don't remember many passes going to the receivers. I think, yeah, three receptions by Javante Williams was the leading receiver. Uh, You know, so Tim Patrick had two catches. You know, I don't understand what the game script was here was, but it worked out. It worked out pretty well. Um, They just kind of pounded the ball with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Although not very successful, not crazy kind of runs there. They just did what it had to be done because the Chargers are either – destroy you scoring 40 points or scoring 13 points and losing. So, and they went with the scoring 13 points and losing this game. Yeah. You know, we've talked about how the um, Chargers defense doesn't allow um, the, or the, yeah, Chargers defense doesn't allow uh, Herbert to be, uh, well, just the time 
time of possession for the offense isn't there oh. because the defense is on the field for too long and the offense doesn't get in the rhythm. It's kind of 50-50 here. I mean, I, I, I think that the um, slight edge goes to the Broncos here on time of possession, but not, not that great of a difference. Still, the offense wasn't able to form some sort of rhythm. We've seen what the Chargers can do. We've seen what they did last week against the Steelers. And just the lack of inconsistency is, is kind of – being their greatest downfall they've got the personnel it seems like they 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 should be able to at least on offense should be able to um score points more than 13 points but um denver uh, the broncos ever since they lost von miller have gone i think three and one now so it's it's crazy you know the, the fact that you lose your the the best edge rusher and uh, you know you got your rookie that comes in, and now they're playing better defense than than they were. So um, I was I was quick to rule out the Broncos. I thought the the win against the Cowboys was sort of like an anomaly. Um, but if they can get their run game established and and be able to stop teams with their defense, um, looking pretty good as well. I mean, yeah, Chargers not looking so great. That's all I can say to that. If the Chargers continue to just have an inability to stop the run, they're just not going to win very many football games, honestly. I mean, yes, the time of possession actually favored the Chargers by like 30 seconds. So it was very, very close, but the Chargers actually favored. But here's the biggest thing, right? Denver ran the ball for 147 yards. Chargers only ran the ball for 72 yards. What does that mean? If time of possession isn't being the direct factor of that, what's the other factor there? What happened is for Denver, they're getting a lot of third and short opportunities where they can run the ball. They are eight of 11 on third down, right? So they're extending drives and they're converting a lot of their third downs. So they're getting in scoring position, they're converting and they're giving themselves more opportunities to score points. Chargers on the other end, they were seven of 14 on third down, right? So 50%, you still like that, but when you're only rushing the ball seven for 72 yards, you know on third down when you're the Denver Broncos defense, chances are the Chargers are going to throw it on third down, right? So you're pretty much ruling out the ability of them to run the ball on third down. They're becoming one-dimensional, and it's just that much easier to stop. So um, it's not rocket science to see what the problem with the Chargers continues to be is like until they can realize that they need to run the ball more effectively. Like Eckler got 12 carries for 31 yards, but that doesn't mean you need to go away from running the ball. I know Denver took an early lead, but this game didn't get out of hand till the fourth quarter. It just shows you that regardless of what's happening, the Chargers are so hell bent on just being like, no matter what, we're going to continue to throw the football. And there are just weeks where it's not going to work. And this is another week where it doesn't work. And so it's almost becoming like a coin toss, what weeks it's going to work and what weeks it's not. That's why they're hovering right at 500. Right. I mean, that's the story of their season. So yeah. Um, yeah. another guy to kind of uh, mention is Patrick Sertain PS2, man. Two interceptions, <laughs> 70, 70 yards, uh, two fast deflections. So a uh, solid game, solid game by uh, PS2. I know Sundash, our uh, Broncos homer, was very excited to see um, <laughs> big plays by the defense. Yeah, yeah, that, that was good. I mean, the Chargers take on the Bengals next week. Uh, two teams that we have with good offenses. The Bengals don't have a great defense. So uh, if the Chargers want to bounce back and drop 40, that's another good game for them to do so. Denver's got it tough. They're traveling to Arrowhead to take on Kansas City in Sunday night football next week. So that's going to be a big, big test on the road for them. Uh, that takes us into kind of the maybe the marquee matchup of the week. The Rams travel to Green Bay to take on the Packers this week. Packers came in as one point dogs over under was sitting at 47. And uh, like I said, anytime you get Aaron Rodgers at home, as an underdog, I mean, you're taking that all day long and the Packers won 36 to 28. Uh, Green Bay, again, wins outright, covers the one-point dog spread, the over hits. Um, and that was the story, right? The the Rams story this year continues to be at times. Matthew Stafford, uh, you know, 
goes back to his Detroit Lions ways and makes crucial throws, interceptions, uh, inaccurate passes, and um, just not in the rhythm and the flow of things. And then you had the Packers over there where they're at home and Aaron Rodgers was absolutely cooking, um, you know, 300, 307 yards passing, two touchdowns. They didn't have to run the ball a bunch. Aaron Jones came back but did not actually lead the team in touches. So I don't know if that's the fact that they're just working him in or they like what they see from A.J. Dillon. Uh, what do you guys like from this game or what do you guys see? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers heard us when we said something about COVID because uh, there was such certainly no toe issues for Aaron Rodgers um, this this week. And uh, just, yeah, just the Rams defense isn't as they were, at least at last year. You know, uh, we say that we call them the L.A. Ramseys and, and uh, Ramseys getting has no answer for uh, Devontae Adams. So it's just classic, you know, Packers play, give it feed, feed your stars, eight receptions, 104 yards for Devonte Adams. Uh, Randall Cobb had uh, a touchdown and 95 yards as well. Um, so just a great offense, offensive play. And, and it's looking more and more like that Stafford deal may not have turned out as well as how they wanted to. And I almost think that maybe um, Sean McVay is trying to get too cute. You know, uh, maybe he's just not running the ball too much. I mean, they've got you know, Sean McVay is supposed to be this head coach that's got like just revolutionized game with all these like schemes that he has. But maybe you just need to go back to the basics and run the ball more, give the ball to CJ Henderson. Uh, I'm sorry, Daryl Henderson, um, and and so that you can kind of help out uh, Matthew Stafford, who's not looking so great. Yeah, not looking so great. As I've been just putting on repeat and just hitting play for the last three weeks. He's 0-17 in his career versus teams that are over 500. He's just – or sorry. Uh, and Yeah. And um, it's just, you know, it's three straight games with a six – pick six now. We're not even talking three straight games with a pick. We're talking three straight games with a pick six. That's And Aaron Rodgers has like three pick six in his whole career. Like this matchup was destroyed from, the, from just the, our last podcast. Like there was nothing pointing towards the Rams outplaying Aaron Rodgers at home. He know like they have so much film on Matthew Stafford that Matthew Stafford had little to no chance just even entering Green Bay uh, for this game. Uh, and there's a lot of other defenses lapses like you guys mentioned. The Rams are 0 4 in games and allowing over 25 points this season. Um, and they've allowed 28 points or more the last 3 games in a row. So they're not on a good trend here. Get, they're going and grabbing all these like big names and everything, but this just lets us know chemistry is what the most important thing is on a team. It's not just stats. It's not just players. It's not just this. It's not just that. You can go spend whatever you want, get whatever players for a steal. At the end of the day, they got to gel together. And Packers look like a team that you can remove these pieces. And they're actually doing what I just said. They're gelling on all levels, like every level. And then you have teams like the Rams where you have the best players in this position, that position, and you're just pulling out losses. So you're right. The Rams do need to go back to basics, kind of get some things straight there. Don't start force feeding Odell just because he's got to get hot. Um, congratulations to Odell for, for getting his first touchdown in like 420 days or something like that. Um, but he's still a downgrade from Robert Woods. Like we forget how good Robert Woods was and we've seen Robert Woods not suck, you know, but we've seen Odell drop a lot of passes. So all this hype over this big playability is one thing, but this chemistry that these receivers had that Matthew Stafford was developing early in the, uh, season kind of got screwed over. And I think for that reason, Van Jefferson is going to be get being a benefactor for a lot of these throws. Uh, in the next come next few games. 
the the winning record that they had they were seven and zero against teams that are under five hundred. They're one and four against teams that are over five hundred, and that one game is against the Buccaneers. Um, but outside mm-hmm. of that, uh, they've just been losing to uh, to good teams. Yeah, it's a problem. It's definitely a problem. I mean, Stafford, 21 of 38, That's there's a lot of incompletions there, a lot of inaccuracy. Uh, you like what you see from these secondary receivers, like you guys had mentioned, OBJ, 10 targets, Van Jefferson, 9 targets. I mean, those are those are startable numbers on a receiving core and an offense that's built to throw. But Shofa, you're making a great point is that, yeah, maybe it's not, you know, I feel like back when they had Jared Goff, it's almost like they knew what they had. So they did a really good job of working their running backs. They used to use like two, three running backs at a time because they loved just interchanging the running backs, running the ball, and then building off that with play action and these deep intermediate routes with Woods and Cup. Now, because they got Matthew Stafford, I feel like they think they have like a, you know, like a top tier upper echelon quarterback when let's be real, like Stafford's put up good numbers, but I, none of us consider him like a top echelon quarterback. Right. And so they're almost putting too much on Matthew Stafford thinking he's what he's not. It's almost like if they just still ran the game plan and the script and the playbook, the way they had thinking that they still had Jared Goff, I think it would actually inevitably lead to more success. So uh, that's definitely an interesting point. Um, who knows? They have a good bounce back opportunity next week. They take on the Jaguars. So uh, it, it should be an opportunity for them to get back and right the ship. The Packers head into the bye, you know, high and mighty nine and three, five and zero oh at home, pretty much at this point, maybe have the NFC North locked up barring some kind of miracle. So uh, speaking of the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings, the other team in that division traveled to San Francisco to take on the 49ers this week. Uh, 49ers came in three point favorites at home over under 49. Great game back and forth affair, but the 49ers do pull this one out 34 to 26 final. Um, Tough loss for Minnesota. Had a lot of opportunities to uh, take the lead or get back in the game and tie the game up. But uh, I think the one thing we talked about last week on this podcast, and I think was not really a secret, is that Minnesota was playing with a bunch of backups on the D-line at every position, and the 49ers did exactly what we thought they would do, and it was run the ball down our throats. Yeah, um, Vikings are the only team in the NFL to lead by seven points or more in each game this season. Whether there's wins or losses, we've had the lead. Uh, they know how to score points. Uh, they just don't know how to score points when it counts. Um and the defense is still just a mess because now uh, Patrick Peterson, as soon as he came back, we improved a little bit, but now he's on the COVID list. So he's probably, uh, I mean, I don't know how bad, I don't know. I can't predict what's going to happen, but he's on the COVID list and there's five days until game time. So we have time, uh, but we don't know. We might be down another player there and it's just a nightmare at this point. You know, there's no consistency. It kind of reminds me of my own fantasy team. Honestly, it's like, you can't get all the players to play at once there's always somebody out at some point someone's mom i don't know gets something happens to somebody at certain times like everson griffin's having mental problems like like just anything could possibly go wrong and it is happening uh and we're hiking people's we're, we're hiking the ball under the right guard like this is a nightmare this is a nightmare you can't win like this against the san francisco team which has such a strong identity and they just enforce that identity like there's no tomorrow um so we did our best. I mean, I, I'm, you know, there's, there's, there's some highlights here that you can be proud of, you know, um, but at the end of the day, you can't be up by seven points every single game. Not many teams have the luxury of doing that and then have more losses than wins. Just not acceptable. Yeah, I mean, you guys were close uh, all throughout the game. It, I mean, it was just an eight-point game that you guys lost by. So even at the last drive, you could have definitely tied the game. Um, you know, some – you. 
Greg Joseph missing that field goal kind of just uh, hurt your chances there a little extra bit point. as well. Extra point. Extra point. Extra point. Sorry, yeah, call. Extra point. And then, but the but the bright uh, point, bright thing there was the the fact that you guys went for it on fourth down to score that touchdown uh, in the red zone. So um, I know you guys talk about how uh, Vikings are only are old school and wouldn't do that, but they 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 did and they got the score. Kind of worked out for them. Kept it kept it close. Um, but yeah, man, the 49ers, I think it's what three straight that they're winning. Um, they're doing it on the run game. They're giving it to Debo Samuel. They're giving it to, uh, Elijah Mitchell who had 133 yards, one touchdown. Um, and with Debo Samuel hurt, it looks like Elijah Mitchell will be the, the guy to get, um, most of the carries as he was this week, but, um, you know, there's no vulturing on touchdowns. Yeah. Debo uh, Samuel. Don't forget Trey Sermon was carted off the field too. So now there's really no competition. It's just Wilson and, uh, I th- it's going to be a huge bulk of Elijah Mitchell going forward. Uh, one one little fun fact: uh, Debo Samuel's now has more rushing touchdowns this season than Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, Montgomery, Saquon, and CMC. So that's incredible. This guy, this guy is, is a beast. He got two touchdowns last game, and he only had one catch for sixteen yeah. yards. Put him in the running back uh, option and on fantasy, right? Like yeah, let, let, that, let us yeah. Uh, he's got to like at this point, like when you, I just named you like fucking superstars and he has more touchdowns than them. Like you, he has to, he's a freak, man. He's a unicorn. He's another Cordero Patterson type player, but probably just better in every facet to be honest. And so um, it's extremely scary that he can be that productive from a fantasy perspective and catch one pass when he's done. He's supposed to be a receiver Um, fantasy wise. I mean, George Kittle, one catch, 13 yards, not a big game for him. Brandon Ayuk did get three for 91, so good for him. Um, we talked about Dalvin Cook on the other side, also getting hurt, only 10 for 39. Uh, your boy Thielen had five for 62 for two touchdowns to show. Jefferson got four for 83. Um, and so, um, you know, not, again, there were opportunities for the Vikings to, you know, get closer here or tie the game, score the game. But um, for me, I, I just think, again, it, it comes down – we know the offense is so talented. We know the defense has their issues, but time and time again, I think the scene, the issue just seems to be like the intangibles, right? When we, when we have to improvise or when we like, when we can't call timeout and script up a play, like just that situation where we were just scrambling and Kirk was trying to get the people set or set up, right? Because half our team didn't even know where they were supposed to line up. And then by that time, the time's running out and Kirk's trying to hurry. And then naturally he's probably, you know, doesn't think, and he's lining up a guy behind the right tackle, right tackle, or right guard. Has but- that- ever happened before like no that's I, I, no. that's inexcusable like you you gotta know who your center is like that's yeah it's just it's it's always that i just feel like the talent is there but the vikings don't have the intangibles like it's like when when there's crunch time when there's like weird decisions to be made and you have like the coach needs to be like you know what we're gonna make this decision or the quarterback needs to be like you know what i'm gonna take over this game and like whatever they say on the sidelines i don't care i'm gonna run this show my way like you're never gonna have that kind of issue with like a a top tier head coach or or a quarterback that actually gets the privilege to call audibles and stuff and so there's just so many things where like we have issues inside two minutes we are the number one team in terms of giving up touchdowns inside two minutes which uh, in the first half. Why is that? Oh, because there's a lot of timeouts. There's a lot of important decisions to be made. And there's a lot of improvising on the fly because the other team is playing hurry up. Right. 
And anytime we're improvising, we suck. So we're just like the definition of like a pre-scripted team that if one thing doesn't go our way, it's like all fucking chaos and disaster. So um, it's tough. At least we get to take on the Lions next week who are still searching for their first victory. So my God, let's not let that be us. Um, The 49ers are going to travel to take on the Seahawks next week in a divisional matchup. But holy shit, guys, if the 49ers can run this way, um, they're another really scary team all of a sudden again. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo, he just has to compliment the passing game, not make mistakes and make the timely accurate passes. And Garoppolo is known for his accuracy. So, um, shit, I know the Diva Samuel injury is big for them, but if they can continue to run the ball like this, all of a sudden, I don't want to fuck with the 49ers. Yeah. I think the Debo Samuel injury is actually really going to be really great for Ayuk. Obviously, because he's going to be he's going to be number one receiver, but also for George Kittle, I think George Kittle should get some of those targets. So, although he only had one reception this game, um, I think next week if Debo Samuel's out, I expect more from him. Yeah. One last thing to note: the Vikings had that kick return touchdown. That's their second of the season. Shout out to Kenne Mwangu, the third fastest running back on Madden. He's clearly going to be in the backfield now, whether he's splitting touches or just a compliment to Madison. But anytime you have a guy with that kind of speed in special teams, returning touchdowns in an era where like kick returns pretty much don't exist anymore, that warrants getting that guy, the football, I don't care how you do it. You know, like when he has that kind of speed, when he's flashing something like that, he's deserved playing time. So uh, one glimmer of hope is I'm excited to see if the Vikings at least start to incorporate him in the offense. Um, Next game on the board, the Sunday night football matchup. My survivor pick was the Baltimore Ravens at home against the Cleveland Browns. One of the ugliest games I've seen. Holy shit, we stayed and, you know, got all excited for Sunday night football. We were like, you know what? We're going to watch this one too as well, and we're going to make it a late night last night and um, get all excited about all the possibilities of offensive explosions, Sandman taking the over, thinking there's just going to be nothing but touchdowns. And holy shit, we had like nothing but field goals for the first 35 minutes of this game. The final score was 16 to 10. The Baltimore Ravens come away victorious by six, cover the three and a half point spread. The over under uh, over wasn't even close. Over under was 47 with 26 combined points. Uh, I mean, ugly, ugly game, right? Just absolutely ugly game. Uh, when, when the difference is going to be the kicking game, you got to feel good knowing you have the boy, Justin Tucker. Oh man. Um, this was the worst game I've seen all season, <laughs> hands down. Like nothing, nothing comes close to this one. It was absolutely atrocious. I'm going to ask you guys a trivia question. Um, so Lamar Jackson became the first starting quarterback to throw four or more interceptions and win the game since 2013. Can you guess who that other quarterback was? Oh shit! Okay, 2013. Wow. Is there even a single hint you can give us? Um. Are they a quarterback I mean, that's relevant or like it's 2013? So are they just nobody anymore? They're relevant. You can, Manning. Say, is the, it, is Manning. It, you can take the word relevant for however you want, but he's thrown passes this season. <laughs> this ben season. Damn, okay. No. Okay. No. So it's, it's, it's definitely not Peyton Manning because he hasn't thrown passes. Tom Brady. No, Tom Brady would never. You yeah, me? I know. Take that, I take know. that back. I just, Carson I just, Lewis? I was, no, close. It's in the Wentz. Aaron Rodgers. No, no, uh, that's my bad. I uh, yeah, I kind of I, I kind of screwed that one up. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, he's. He, I w- if he was overall in Madden, I would give him a seventy-one. What? That's horrible. <laughs> that's absolutely horrible. Okay, he's in the NFL and he's a seventy-one over. Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, he hasn't thrown passes, has he? Still no. flat. Taylor. Oh no, no, no. Oh Getting warmer. Oh my God! Give me, Andy give Dalton. us another hint. We're not gonna, we're not gonna be done with this until you give us more hints. So, um, he has made the Pro Bowl multiple times. 
What? Okay. Okay. Why am I drawing blanks? He's basically a guy. That, oh, no. This year, throwing passes. Teddy Bridgewater is not it. That's no, obviously not no. it. Kirk Cousins. How, how long has no. Patrick Mahomes no. been in the league? Not since that. It's not Mahomes. It's not, it's it's not, not Mahomes. him either. Hold on. Why am I drawing blanks real quick? Let me just do a quick rundown here. Uh, it's not going to be. Cam Newton. Nope. Oh, that was a good guess. I honestly thought you had it right there. Matt Ryan. Nope. Damn it. Oh, my God. Matt Stafford. Nope. Oh, my God. What Jared Goff. Getting warmer. Nope. Jared Goff wasn't in the league then. Ryan Tannehill. Nope. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. I give up. At this point, I honestly okay. don't know. All right. Ready? Yeah. It's Andy Dalton. Wait, oh my he God. said that. Didn't you say that? Wait, who said that? No. We'll have to rewind the clip, but I think I did say Andy Dalton. I think Chauvin said Andy Dalton. Yeah. What? Okay, yeah. Good thing we have a recording. But yeah, yeah it's fine. <laughs> Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle. Wow. Who was he playing Damn. against? Any, any... Um, versus Baltimore. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. The wow. circle Full of circle. life. Yeah, so yeah. Lamar throws four interceptions, has one of his worst passing games ever. Um, but, you know, the good thing is he's playing against Baker Mayfield, who continues to put himself out on the field when he shouldn't and he's hurt and he's not good anymore and he's inaccurate. And despite throwing four interceptions has, you know, enough with the running game and enough kicking power from Justin Tucker and enough defensive stops to win this game. And so, man, you just think about the Ravens at seven and three and how luxurious it must be to win a game where your quarterback throws four interceptions. And like you probably play one of the worst brands of football you've ever played. He threw four interceptions, but then he had that one sick touchdown where he's kind of running out of the pocket to the right-hand side. Clowney's chasing him. Uh, Yeah, to Andrews. Clowney's chasing him. And um, I forget the other guy. uh, Other defensive Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. There you go. Miles Garrett's chasing them. And he he just heaves it to Mark Andrews. And Mark Andrews has come back a little bit, but gets a touchdown. And uh, Miles Garrett, you know, he's like, it's pretty impressive. Maybe I'll take you out of the out of my graveyard um, after that <laughs> one. So you know he, he made the plays when it mattered, and the four interceptions doesn't doesn't really mean anything when the Browns can't do anything with those four interceptions. Could not establish a running game. Um, Landry was probably Landry had over 100 yards. Um, uh, he was the I guess the bright star of the Browns. But I'm not going to uh, say that you know that. Uh, Baker Mayfield is a reason they lost the game. I think that not being established to run game, kind of going away from what they're used to uh, is probably what hurt them the most um, than anything else. But uh, yeah. let me, so, so you bring up a good point right there, right? You're not going to say that Baker Mayfield is the reason they lost because they couldn't establish the run, right? As a starting quarterback in the NFL, sometimes your team is not going to be able to run the football, right? That's when the pressure gets put on you to lead the team to victory. And rightfully so, when you're getting to throw the ball 37 times in a football game, you expect that at least it's going to, you know, achieve some sort of success. But the fact that he only he only completed 18 of those passes under 50% completion percentage when you're getting 37 times to throw the ball, I'd also argue that I still do fault Baker Mayfield, right? The opportunities are clearly there. You can't fault the running game where, you know, if they didn't attempt the rushes enough, like it's not the running back's fault that they didn't get the yards. The quarterback got to throw the ball 37 times and only completed it 18 times. I mean, that's fucking pathetic. Uh, So for me, yeah, go ahead. No, for me, they got the ball back twice before halftime with like, you know, within the last two minutes, you're not going to run the ball in those situations, right? Like you got to throw the ball in those situations. And 
you couldn't capitalize. You were already in field goal range twice, and you can't even muster out a field goal. Like, some of the blame has to definitely go on Baker there because, you know, like, there's no responsibility for the running back at that point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, when, you, when you're when you not doing what you're built to do, you're probably not going to win the game. But you got the turnover battle. Four. Four turnovers from one of the best quarterbacks in football. Like, it's a team effort. This I'm never going to put the blame on a quarterback when I see, like, obvious – like, you know, mess ups from the rest of the team. Um, but Baker did not help the situation one bit. All he had to do was get field goal. I'm not even asking you to throw a touchdown, Baker, because I know that's hard for you to do. But at least get your team ready, set up for a field goal. Don't don't be in situations where you can turn the ball over with a few minutes left and you just don't even get the opportunity to get a field goal. So that was huge. Yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing is he wasn't like the Ravens defense is almost like an aura, like their defense isn't great, right? They give up, they give up a shit ton of points. They give up 33 points to the Raiders. They gave up 35 points to the Chiefs. They gave up 20, 25 points to the Colts. They gave up 41 points to the Bengals, 31 to the Vikings. So they can give up points in a hurry. And for them to literally only muster up 10 points when you get the ball from a turnover four different times, I mean, that's inexcusable. I mean, that offense is just incapable when their running game is not operating to do anything. And, and, and that has to be Baker Mayfield. So um, it's unfortunate, but we've talked about it for weeks now where he's just not as accurate as you want him to be. And he's already historically not an accurate quarterback, right? So when you have an injury or whatever it is, that's causing him to be more inaccurate than he already notoriously is known to be. I mean, there's just not enough completions to convert theirs down. There's not enough completions to move the ball. I mean, it's just, it's a microcosm of the entire game at that point. So uh, tough for Baker, but they do get a buy. So hopefully Baker gets time to heal because uh, it doesn't seem like they're going to rest him or, or bench him anytime soon. Uh, even though they have Case Keenum there and the Ravens, we talked about it. They're traveling to Pittsburgh next week to take on the Steelers. Uh, so that's going to be a tough test nonetheless of what the Steelers are doing. Um and that's, I mean, that's Sunday night. We have Monday night football that comes up in about 28 minutes or so with the Seahawks traveling to Washington to take on the football team. A couple of really, really struggling teams. And I mean, I don't know at this point who's really even in the thick of things, but the NFC is still wide open. So uh, I think with the Seahawks, they kind of have to win out or, or maybe they can afford to lose one more game. Washington is probably very, very similar. So there's really, really a very, very small glimmer of, uh, I guess, opportunity lost for these teams. So both teams looking for a victory. Any predictions on which way you guys like this game to go tonight? I can't see Russell Wilson being bottom feeder. I just can't see that. It's just, I know. You can't it's, lose. It's this just hard games. to come to terms with. Like it's just, it's impossible to believe that that could happen. And like the way he is such like a, you know, you always see him doing film and like, he's always just all about business. You know, you, you have to assume that when you're on, you know, Monday night football, all eyes are on you. You're playing against an okay team that's like on the come up. I would have to assume he prepared thoroughly for this game, and it's at home, right? It's Seattle at home. No, they're in Washington. No, actually. okay, yeah, that's yikes. This is gonna be. I, I I'm, I'm hoping because I have to start Russell Wilson next week if uh, Jalen Hurts can't go. So I need to see some, some bombs. Where's Lockett? Where's these DK Metcalf bombs? This has to be a must today in order to firmly believe in Russell Wilson again. I'm going to side with the Washington uh, football team. I'm going to say that the, with all those things that you said are just too much for the, um, the Seahawks to overcome. I haven't seen Russell Wilson. I mean, that's, that's the game script. Russell Wilson needs to be back to what he was in the first three weeks of football. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the bet and say that he's, he's just not ready just quite yet. So uh, yeah, I'm going to side lean Washington football team tonight. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, I know you guys have differing or maybe similar Antonio Gibson uh, implications tonight, but that Seattle run defense is not very good. So, I mean, I, I could see a game, Antonio Gibson has a decent game or, or they establish some sort of a running game. So um, that's definitely something to watch out for. And for Seattle, they're, they're having a similar situation with all these teams that are becoming too one dimensional. You're putting the onus on a guy who's got a fucked up finger who clearly can't throw the ball like he's supposed to be yet. You have no running game whatsoever to give him any sort of compliment right so um that's going to be an issue is the washington football team had only given up 95 and a half yards on the ground so far this year and seattle's only running the ball at 98 yards uh per game on the ground so uh they already don't have a good running game russell wilson's already got too much pressure on himself even every other game as it is but now with that injury on his finger still lingering i mean it's going to be tough but again if there's one guy that you're like i'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt or he's going to prove us wrong it's russell wilson so uh should still bode well for a good matchup hopefully we see some more points than we did last night because that was just really really fucking boring yeah um um i need 56 points from uh from gibson to hold on to my six seed playoff spot jesus you need 56 points from gibson tonight all right so we need a jonathan taylor-esque performance tonight from antonio gibson yeah 56 and i i'll win uh i i i'm i have gibson i need i think i'm down by 25 he's got uh mckissick um and i think the football team uh defense so so game um, script's key for you here because if they're down it's all mckissick it's all gibson um, yeah, I mean, that's the last game on the board for week 12. Uh, we'll be excited to catch this one here in about 25 minutes. Let's jump into our studs and duds of the week. feel like this was a very big, big dud week. I know in the past we've, we've struggled to like find duds, but this week I felt like there were more oh, yeah. duds. There were way yeah. more duds than studs. At least it felt like for my, team, for my sure. teams anyway. So for sure. uh, a bunch of Shishou, studly boys. Shishou, give us yeah. your stud dud. Yeah. Um, so uh, for me, it wasn't um, too much of a tough choice. Uh, stud was Adam Thielen. You know, you wonder, uh, Jefferson being the stud he is himself, is this guy going to get enough looks to be a viable start? Is he a flex player? And all of that can just go to H-E double hockey sticks because he leads the league in touchdowns. But you, Adam Thielen leads the league in touchdowns, and it's not going away. This isn't a game script thing. This is That is the favorite target in the red zone. We don't have Rudolph anymore. There's no Irv Smith. The the trust in the bigger guys have kind of, we haven't had the ability to do that, but there is one person you can trust just throwing the ball anywhere around him. And that's Adam Thielen. And uh, with a, with scoring 20.7 points, that's my stud of the week. Uh, Dud, Jalen Hurts um, had an easy, pretty, it was a pretty easy game to beat. You know, uh, not everything went his way. A lot of drop passes. He could have ended up winning the game. But um, being the number one quarterback in fantasy and then just putting up 6.86, they figured you out at least for one game. um, And let's see what you can do for that. And for that one game, uh, you are my dud for the week. Okay. Show it. What about you, Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off that dud, you know, it's and the thing I want to mention is that uh, those drops you're talking about is for Rieger. Uh, the Eagles had a chance to get Jefferson and and didn't. And so just imagine what Hurts and Jefferson connection would be like. Hurts, Jefferson, Devontae Smith. Uh, that's, a, that's a scary. That's maybe a scary. they don't draft Devontae Smith if they got Jalen Rieger the year before, but or maybe they do. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Even then, we you should have. Uncle Hefe and let's look at that. Or, I'm going to pitch a what if episode to Marvel about an alternate reality where they draft Justin Jefferson and let's see what the Eagles are doing today. So, <laughs> wow. Can we get Kyler Murray in that alternate reality though? As a Viking? Yeah. Oh my God. 
Yes, you got me. Very if you could have any quarterback in the league, which quarterback would you? Patrick have? Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. pretty pretty safe answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So my stud for this week um is gonna be Joe Mixon, uh, who has been proving himself over and over again that he is a valid uh, RB one. Um. I mean. Could even be the second pick of the draft if the draft was today. Uh, 30.3 points uh, last week. They just kept feeding him the ball, um, and he got his he got his uh, yards and points, and and so great, great, great uh, performance by Joe Mixon. Um, the next the dud I have is uh, none other than Lamar Jackson. You throw four interceptions, dude. You're gonna be dud. You're going to be dud hardcore <laughs> only 9.4 points. Uh, yes. You got that touchdown and yes, you did, um, you know, get over your rushing prop, but only 9.4 points uh, <laughs> is not good enough for fancy purposes. No, no. absolutely not. No. He's the reason I lost. I went into Monday night or Sunday night football needing 18 points from Lamar Jackson and he got me nine. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think it gets any dudlier than that. Nine points from a quarterback who's probably the biggest rushing quarterback in the NFL. Like nine points is the floor. I feel like that's like less than the floor. That's like the fucking, that's like the basement. That's like the concrete, like below the house. That's like the mud, like that rubble. I don't like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Someone go arrest him because he's busted. (laughs) Uh, Some Grand Theft Auto vibes there. Whenever they say busted and you get caught and shit like God. Um, That's a good segment. Boom or bust busted. Boom or busted. (laughs) booming or busted i like it um so my stud this week is going to be the guy that i played against in both fantasy leagues it was mr leonard fournette lenny himself did you guys see the audio clip of uh tom brady when he's like telling leonard fournette to like uh uh shift but he calls him lenny i didn't know everybody called everybody on the team calls him lenny he's like lenny go lenny go and what's funny is he hikes the ball and then he also tells Lenny to go. So it's almost like Tom Brady tells Leonard Fournette what to do, what to do? after the ball is hiked. Like it's actually freaking hilarious. You guys got to find that. He also, really funny. I also saw clips of uh, Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette where uh, it was like a play action. And as he's get, faking the handoff, he's like cover two. He's like telling him what the defense looks like. Wow. So look at that. Look Smart. at that clip too. Look Dude. at that clip too. Brady is such a goat, bro. Oh Dude, my god, go, that's goat insane. QB moves. Yeah. Oh I'm surprised he doesn't call him. I'm surprised he doesn't call him babe. Hey babe, cover two. Yeah. Hey babe. <laughs> There's hey, only babe. one babe, dude. How many babes he's trying to have? The babe already <laughs> popped off, man. <laughs> but Gronk. Leonard Fournette had yeah. 40.6 fantasy points, 17 carries, 100 yards, three rushing touchdowns, caught another seven passes for 31 yards and scored another catching touchdown. So uh, 40.6 fantasy points. That's another week where a guy's got four or more touchdowns as a running back. Yeah, this is weird. It's like yeah. just over the last three weeks, things yeah. are just like exploding. Yeah, it's been an explosion. Um, and then – uh. One more thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen these clips of Leonard Fournette, but um, watch. Oh, I think I have. I know where he's laughing. Yes. When he gets gets tackled. tackled. (laughs) Bro, this dude's a psychopath. He gets tackled and he goes. And he's giggling. He's literally (laughs) giggling as he's as he's getting tackled. Yeah. It's actually like the guy lives for fucking violence or something. Dude, he he just giggles. I'm going to post it on our uh, Instagram story. Uh, yeah, you guys should check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll check it out for sure. At the only playbook on Instagram, guys, give us a follow. But Leonard Fournette, absolute stud, literally laughs when he gets tackled. I mean, what kind of guy wouldn't like who wouldn't <laughs> want that guy on your team? He literally laughs at the face of fucking violence. So my dud of the week is a guy who does not laugh. He does nothing but laugh. He hasn't laughed all season. He's probably cried all season. He's probably been sad all season, as has all of his fantasy owners, as is his fa- as his football team. So my dud is gonna be Christian McCaffrey, man. I'm so sorry to put you in the dud era, but 
you just you can't stay healthy, bro. Your biggest attribute is your availability, man. That is could not be true. I don't care if you're the best. I don't care if you're projected to be the best. You're drafted number one consensus in fantasy football, and you just cannot stay on the field. Um, he's back on the IR after dropping 3.5 points. And like you said, Shashot, it's been for me that way too. It's like I cannot have one week where I have all of my guys just in my lineup 100% healthy to see what the possibilities are. Looks like we'll never know. Looks like Josh Jacobs is officially my best running back, so pray for me. Um, Christian McCaffrey, you are my dud. Um, and good luck next year, bro. I don't, like you said, I don't even know if he's worth the top 10 draft pick. Yeah. That's we'll it. That's the studs waivers. and duds. Yeah. Waivers. waivers now. Waivers. Shove it. Give us the waivers. Who should people be picking up now that studs and duds are getting put on the fucking IR? Yeah. You know, given that Josh Jacobs is your best running back now, let me give you some running back options and maybe I can help you out here. Uh, so the first guy we've got here is Don Terrell Hilliard, uh, Titans running back. Um, saw a pretty good amount of carries. And so um, you talked about the fact that he's going to be in the passing downs as well. Uh, a good, I guess, handcuff to Foreman um, as well. Um, next guy is uh, Jamal Williams. Swift got hurt on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, no feast will probably get him come back from that injury. So Jamal Williams um, looks like should be the RB1. If anything changes, uh, we'll definitely update that. Uh, num- uh, the next guy is Boston Scott. And uh, I-, I didn't know Miles Sanders got injured. So this one's actually. Uh, yeah, Miles Sanders, uh, he-, he, had- he was out in the IR with a knee. Uh, sorry, yeah, with a knee injury. And then last game, he sprained his ankle. So, uh, yeah, and an- ankle sprains come in all kinds of, you know, uh, severities. And I think his was pretty minor. But um, you still need that Jordan Howard uh, person to, like, handle the bulk of the carries. And since Jordan Howard is still seriously hobbled, hobbled, Boston Scott could very well have one of those two touchdowns, 16 rushes for 85-yard games, and you don't want that sitting on your bench. uh, All signs point to Boston Scott having a great day this week. Uh, Next, guys, we have uh, Alexander Madison. So with Dalvin Cook uh, hurt uh, on that play that he fumbled the ball, had to get carted off, um, you know, your next, you, we've, we've seen this play before. Alexander Madison has stepped up when Dalvin Cook has been out. So if he is available by any chance, you need to go out and grab him ASAP. Uh, and uh, another guy to pick up because of injury is uh, Chubba Hubbard. Uh, due to the CMC uh, injury, Christian McCaffrey injury, he's going to be the guy that is going to have to step up uh, in lieu of CMC. Um Another guy, uh, next two guys are from the same team, uh, Tevin Coleman and Austin Walter. Uh, both are Jets running back. Uh, pick your poison, I guess. I mean, I, I'm still going to say Tevin Coleman, um, but you may want to kind of keep an eye on Austin Walter. Uh, uh, may, he may be the guy there. Um, the next uh, next position that I have is quarterback position um, is uh, Daniel Jones. Uh, I, f- I forget who Daniel Jones is. Is playing next week, but that should be a favorable matchup. Someone to kind of stream. Dolphins. They're at the Dolphins. They're at the Dolphins. There you go. Um, Daniel Jones against the Dolphins. And also Taysom Hill looks like he'll be getting the starting role. Um, the Simeon, um, I guess, experiment. Experiment. Is, yeah, is coming to an, a halt. And uh, Taysom Hill, due to his running abilities, uh, could become a, a valuable start. Yeah. Um, and they take real they quick. the Cowboys. Go for it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the only thing I'm saying is uh, Taysom Hill got the first, uh, what's it called? The starters reps today. That's what uh, I'm going off of as far as he's starting. But the team hasn't announced they will they will start him. But 
you don't just give him just anybody first team reps and then like not start him. So signs point towards Taysom Hill being a pretty good option. I think the floor is like 20 if he gets to play. So um, yeah, definitely go grab him if you need a quarterback. Yeah, like I, I said, good matchup. Good matchup against the Cowboys. Their defense isn't very good. So that's a, that's a good spot for him. I remember last year when Taysom Hill got the first start, he was actually eligible for a tight end start. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be the same case this year. At least it was for ESPN. No. Uh, but it will not uh, be. That would be really nice if it was. Yeah, he's only uh, designated as a quarterback, unfortunately. Okay. Um, the last guy I have on here is due to the Darren Waller injury. We talked about uh, the guy to pick up since Darren Waller's out is Foster Moreau. Um, so if the game script is still give it to the tight end uh, for the um, Derek Cars and the Las Vegas Ra- Raiders, then Foster Moreau is the guy that you need to go out and grab as your tight end pick. That's and it. That's, that's waivers. That's all my waivers. Yep. That's all we got for you guys. Thanks for tuning in again to another episode of the only playbook. Um, again, this was episode 24. God, these episodes are, ra- are racking up. I mean, I can't believe we're already 24 episodes in week 12 is officially going to be over here in about 13 minutes. Once Monday night football kicks off, but we'll be back to you guys this week. I guess uh, since I'm going to be gone tomorrow, we can still do Thursday, depending on when you guys want to do it. We can do Wednesday or Thursday. So uh, either Wednesday or Thursday, we got a big weekend in New York this weekend where we're all going to get wild so uh maybe we'll talk more about it on the next episode before uh friday rolls around again appreciate you guys tuning in social media give us a follow give us a subscribe youtube twitter instagram tiktok all of the podcast applications Uh, appreciate all the support we're the only playbook we will see you guys next time